I live my life a quarter mile at a time. Nothing else matters, not the mortgage, not the store, not my team and all their bullshit. For those 10 seconds or less, I'm free. On your mark. Get set. Welcome to now playing Fast and Furious Retrospective Series. It's gonna be an all time of the night. Bet you're gonna enjoy this. Hosted by Arnie. Look, man, I don't just think outside the box. I tear it up. It's my thing. Stuart. You're the last person in the world I expected to show up. And Jacob. Like it or not, you and your friends are a part of it now. I don't have friends. I got family. These podcasts contain detailed plot spoilers, harsh language, and incentive to drive beyond the posted speed limit. I'm going to enjoy whatever Listener discretion is advised. Only live once. Let's do it. Talking over race. Today we're discussing Fate of the Furious, F8 of the Furious. They really should have styled that title that way. They did it already and not recommend it. <laughs> it's the hashtag F8 of the Furious on Twitter. Not good enough. Should have been the title. Starring Vin Diesel, Dwayne Johnson, Jason Statham, Michelle Rodriguez, Tyrese Gibson, Chris Ludacris Bridges, Scott Eastwood, Nathalie Emanuel, with Kurt Russell and Charlie Theron, directed by F. Gary Gray. This is Arnie, the co-host of Now Playing, who has zero tolerance for candy asses. Stuart in Springfield. We'll talk about it. <laughs> and this is Jacob. And guys, if we have a good podcast, everyone, I mean everyone, Maddie's and Petty's at the mall later on today. <laughs> I could actually use one. I just spent five days at Star Wars Celebration in Orlando, Florida. And yes, uh, somebody to kind of file down the blisters and a good <laughs> foot massage. I'll take that. No Tay-Tay concerts. <laughs> and I just want to give a shout out to everybody I was surprised the number of now playing listeners who I was able to meet at Celebration. It was great to meet all of you. Thank you for coming up and talking. I know a lot of it was crossover audience from Star Wars Action News, but that is why Fate of the Furious is, in our case, Late of the Furious. We're one week after because I was in Celebration. Not that Stuart was around either, but yeah. I'll take the blame on this one. Yeah, I, I had my own travails. Last thing I wanted to do was go see a movie about being in a car. Because for the last two weeks, I have been driving everything that I now possess in a small car across the country to return to my childhood home of Springfield. It is true. I am no longer Stuart in L.A. I don't know when I'll be in L.A. again. I need a new name. And so if people have suggestions, uh, no four-letter words, please. But <laughs> if, if you have nice suggestions about what I should call myself, I'm open to it. But family, I mean, what better movie than this? Family has brought me home. And this is the first movie that I actually saw here in a Springfield theater. I also saw it. I saw it the Monday night after it opened. Global record holder biggest opening ever i actually had to read the article for it to settle in this outgrossed the force awakens as the biggest movie opening of all time 
and that's a big thanks to China. I mean, I read an article, Star Wars isn't popular in China because they never got the originals, so they don't understand what's going on in Rogue One and The Force Awakens. <laughs> this film, you don't need to speak English to understand it. That's true, but you still can't scoff at over half a billion dollars made in four days. No, no, I, I understand why this does so well internationally. I can't. I'll be honest, this whole series, the appeal has largely eluded me. I think I have been the coldest on this entire thing. I came into it cold. I have not, since we have covered the franchise, what, two years ago, I have not thought about it. I have not seen one. I By accident... I got pulled back into Fast and the Furious. One of the things, you know, I was leaving L.A. I had a bucket list. I wanted to see all the movie studios. I bought a ticket for Universal Studios, the studio tour. Had no idea. Even as I was riding the little tram, they passed the little black Corvette or whatever. And somebody came on and said, look out for the Toretto. And everyone's giggling on the tram. I'm like, what are you talking about? When do we get to Jaws? It's a charger, by the way. Okay, whatever. It used to always be about the DeLorean from Back to the Future. They've Now people are excited for Dom's car. The way that they run the studio ride now, before it used to just be the back lot, and you say, oh, here's where we filmed this or that. Now it's the dumping ground for all the old rides. Earthquake, Jaws, all the stuff that isn't cool enough to be its own ride, So, I, which I kind of enjoyed. I mean, I enjoyed passing through Amity and all of that. But yeah, I, I didn't understand when, when people were getting excited that we were rolling into the chop shop and all of a sudden there was Vin Diesel and Michelle Rodriguez and Luke Evans all jumping around in a five minute motion control ride that, that basically they drive you into a building and the walls are screens and you're in like a 3D 360 degree movie and you know the tram shakes and I think we outran a helicopter and <laughs> drove over something I don't know it was a lot of writing and people seemed vaguely happy but i had forgotten about this series i was like oh is there love for this is there enough to fuel a movie studio theme park ride i've still just stumbled over the fact that luke evans is one of the three people you name why is luke <laughs> evans in the theme park ride the other two make sense well he was one of the few that was returning i think tyrese was there too or ludicrous i, I want to give props to ludicrous because he i'm sure the studio made him do it did a very nice youtube video about eight minutes long where he just went over all the plots for the previous seven films, which was helpful because I didn't want to watch them again. But this has been so mired in continuity. And this film like just throws you right in there. Already, it would have been better to just read the new additions to the cast instead of all the returning people. Much shorter list you'd have to read off there because there's so much continuity at this point. Uh, I, I had to refresh myself, but I didn't want to watch the films again. I wanted to watch the films again, but I did not have time to watch all seven. But because I know the first five like the back of my hand and six pretty well, I had not seen the extended edition of Furious 7. Oof. And so I did go ahead and I watched the extended cut of Furious 7 before returning for Fate of the Furious. I wanted to make sure that I had that one fresh in my mind. I was really curious. Not that Paul Walker was ever the shining star of the series, but what does the series do now that he's gone? I mean, I knew Kurt Russell would probably be returning even before he was in the trailers. I figured they'd go that way with him. But come on, let's face it. Vin Diesel already had a triple X movie come out earlier this year. Yeah, 
No one cared about the return of Xander. No, no, no theme park ride for that ever. <laughs> no, nobody liked the movie. Nobody heralded the movie. So yet for the second time this year, we get Vin Diesel trying to be a spy. That didn't seem like the way for the franchise to go, yet it seemed the obvious direction based upon Mr. Nobody showing up last time, Kurt Russell. So I did rewatch that. I did also... Yeah, I, I didn't tear up like I did in theaters, but I felt very sad when they played the When I See You Again song at the end and everything. It still had a punch. I stand by that review. Hasn't this franchise peaked? Hasn't any franchise peaked by part eight? I mean, Jason went to Manhattan and stopped and Halloween rebooted by eight. And just by part eights, it's time to really give it to different people. It's time to go in a new direction, take some time off, go on vacation, think about it. Come back with uh, a new generation or a new fresh talent. I guess they do have a new director here. The changes that they made here are very subtle. For the most part, it's the same cast, the same writer, the same cinematographer, same guy doing the music. But we have F. Gary Gray, who has made everything from Friday to Straight Outta Compton to the Italian Job remake, directing, and we have a new villain, Charlize Theron. F. Gary Gray. I looked him up because it's not a name that rolls off my tongue. I didn't remember him. It turns out that other than Straight Outta Compton, which is sitting on my TiVo, I have seen every single one of his films. And universally, I think they're okay. I have seen Straight Outta Compton and yeah, and his other stuff. It's okay. Overrated, right? Well, I don't want to say it, but yes, you are right, Stuart. Straight Outta Compton was overrated. I didn't get why people were upset over the Oscars. And in fact, I'm usually let down. I remember seeing The Negotiator in theaters and being let down. I remember being really excited for the Italian job. I mean, Mini Coopers are cool. <laughs> it looked like a good movie. It was two years after Fast and the Furious, and it was also right after Ocean's Eleven. Mm. So I had hoped for more of that vibe, and I didn't get it. And that's the one that I really wouldn't back to when thinking about this, because the Italian job, it did have pretty good car chases. Friday, you know, people like Friday, but isn't that because of comedians in it? It really wasn't the brilliant directing. The ultimate letdown for me, the film that it's not that bad a film but it's certainly the film i hate most because it's the biggest letdown be cool the sequel to get shorty it had the rock in it so i guess that's maybe a connection there but yeah he's a lot of these people have worked with gray before italian job had charlise the rock was in be cool there was a really crappy movie called a man apart that was a vin diesel flop in the i saw it yeah it, it was kind of like a ripoff of usual suspects hate to blow the twist but i guess the reason why you get f gary gray is because he did have a big hit for universal with straight out of compton and he knows these actors and the other two directors did not want to come back <laughs> justin lynn was making star trek and i think james wan just the trauma of having to make part seven with this lead actor dying midway i just don't think he wanted to come back to this franchise at all well that might be a reason for it is the trauma of the death and the fact that it probably took an extra year to make and yeah. the arduous post-production yeah it and had to be draining but i also think it's going to be draining having to work for vin diesel who now has so much power behind the scenes and there was so much gossip around this movie 
when, you know, my opening line, I usually do something from the movie. No, I did something from behind the scenes of this movie. The zero tolerance for candy asses. The hashtag Dwayne The Rock Johnson broke out when talking about the people on the set who don't show up and don't do their work and how he's so disappointed. Apparently... If you take all the rumors, the insinuations, the fact that it's coming from The Rock, giving it a little bit of credence, Vin Diesel was a bit of a diva and a tyrant on the set. He wouldn't show up for filming. He'd keep people waiting for long periods of time. He didn't do much. Everything was being done by stunt doubles. And I will talk about it, but it seems that the heat between The Rock and Vin Diesel had Vin personally torpedoing the spinoff that they were setting up in this film of The Rock and Jason Statham's adventures without the crew. Yeah, I thought that they were going to do a lot more than, yeah. I thought we would be getting a movie a year, kind of a Marvel thing. They were looking at it. Okay. I thought maybe you'd get a Ladybugs remake with The Rock. Have you ever seen that Roger Dangerfield soccer film? <laughs> <laughs> we do. We get so much in this movie, yes, <laughs> including Ladybugs. But, yeah, I had heard that, but I usually attribute that to just PR, just building up hype. I assume that when you hear about clashes on set, sometimes it just meant that they want us to think that there's going to be big drama when we see the movie. The fact of the matter is The Rock has very few scenes with Vin Diesel. In fact, Vin Diesel has very few scenes with his family. Yeah, <laughs> The Rock wouldn't do any promotion for this film in the end. The Universal execs tried to get them to hug it out, as they say, on Entourage, and it didn't work. They did not hug it out. The mm. animosity is apparently very real, and so that is perhaps the biggest publicity going into this movie. I didn't even think it was hype, but I could see it, because you're right. This is the movie where Dom goes dark, The Rock is the natural successor to lead the group he's the i'd say he's the biggest star in this movie maybe charlize is bigger but certainly vin isn't if you had them seemingly at each other's throats maybe it would add drama to the but that's not how this movie plays yeah no i didn't know about all this bad blood but i feel it on the screen i don't know if it was hype because i do feel a lot of unneeded tension between actors here i didn't know much about this movie but i did know that they were trying to sell it as then goes against his family that really something is going to turn him against the one thing he would never turn on for seven movies he was lifting a 40 to his peeps and for some reason we're gonna find out in this one there's something else that has more collateral than letty and ludicrous the only thing I could think of when watching this trailer is some kind of mind control. And while that may seem a little outrageous for a Fast and the Furious film, the writers and producers have not promised it won't go into space in the future. Because that was the big mm. question during the press junket is, you've gone everywhere, are you going to go to space <laughs> like Moonraker? And yes. they're like, if we had the story, we'll take them to space. Yeah. I mean, we've already seen Letty turn against the family in a previous installment, so it's very much like a soap opera. It doesn't take much to get people to turn or to get them into space. I don't think it would take a whole lot of thinking to get them there. Mm. Well, since we're talking about plots, Arnie, why don't you give us the briefest one? It's certainly a very long movie for such a simple <laughs> plot, but go ahead and do it. And yet it's convoluted. Dominic Toretto, played for the seventh time by Vin Diesel, 
Even though it's the eighth movie, he skipped one. That's what he didn't do sequels. He's too good for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now look at him. Part eight is in Havana, Cuba, visiting his cousin, racing cars, and on his honeymoon with his wife, Letty, played by Michelle Rodriguez, who regained her memory, in case you don't remember, at the end of Furious 7, and remembered they got married a long time ago before her fake death in Furious 4. So this honeymoon was a long time coming. I think at that point it's just called a vacation. But in Havana, Dom is approached by the mysterious hacker Cypher, played by Charlize Theron. Wasn't that a character in The Matrix? You're right. That was Pantaleono's character. (laughs) Well, it's drawn out for 45 minutes of the film, but basically Cypher is pissed because Dominic stopped two of her missions. She was just off screen for the past two films. (laughs) She was the employer of Owen Shaw back in Fast and Furious 6 when he was trying to build the nightshade device. He was building it for her. And then she employed Mose Yakande in Furious 7 to try and steal the God's Eye. When Dom's crew stopped both criminal attempts, Cypher dug into his history, she is a hacker, and found out that he has a child. Elena, played by Elsa Pataki, if you can remember her from so many movies ago where she mattered. I didn't. I had to go look her up. I'm like, that face looks familiar. I know she's been in a couple of these films. She cameoed in the last movie when the grenade came in and the rock had to sacrifice his arm, saving her. Yeah, that was the reason he had to stop the fight. Yeah. She's part of the family. (laughs) Well... Elena's given birth to Dom's son, conceived when Dom thought Letty was still dead. Okay, that was my question. Yeah, I was like, (laughs) when did this happen? This is a newborn. This is a newborn baby. Right, so it was definitely under two. If we say it was one and a half, and then it was conceived nine months before that, that means only like two and a half years have passed since Fast and the Furious 5 and now. And don't forget... Tokyo Drift took place in the middle of these. No continuity. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. I'm not so big on these continuities. I just, yeah, I just roll with it. So Cypher kidnaps Elena and the child and forces Dom to help her, literally putting a gun to his baby's head. So what does she want him to do? He has to betray his crew. He's called upon by Luke Hobbs, again played by Dwayne Johnson, to recover an EMP from the German military... Sure. I thought we were friends with Germany. But... Right. And what? who better to send into Berlin streets than some east side LAers? They know the terrain so well. Actually, they might do well on the Autobahn. If we went there, that might make sense. But instead, they're going to go into a military base. Mm. And to do this, Luke calls on Dom, and Dom calls on his crew. Letty, Roman Pierce, played by Tyrese Gibson... Hacker and driver Tej Parker, played by Chris Ludacris Bridges, and better hacker but worse driver. <laughs> I really wanted, I didn't even know where she came from. Was she in another movie? She's from Seven. She, she was? Yeah, she's the one that made God's Eye and they had to save. She was like, you don't know my last name. I'm like, chick, I don't know your first name. I don't know your face. Yeah, if I hadn't rewatched Furious 7, I would be right there with you. I can't believe they brought her back. She doesn't even drive. And they already have a hacker. Ah, we'll get into it. (laughs) But that's going to set up the love triangle between Roman. Yeah, don't take away the only plot Tyrese has in this movie. (laughs) So they succeed in getting the EMP, but then Dom flips Hobbs' truck, steals the EMP, and gives it to Cypher. 
The crew is then rounded up by the mysterious American government black ops agent, Mr. Nobody, played again by Kurt Russell, who's having a blockbuster summer. We're going to be talking about him in just a couple weeks now with Guardians 2. And Nobody's new assistant, Little Nobody, played by Scott Eastwood. Nobody wants the crew to stop Cypher by tracking Dom. And to assist, Nobody has brought in Deckard Shaw, the bad guy from Furious 7, played by Jason Statham. While Shaw has no interest in the crew, he wants revenge on Cypher because Cypher recruited Deckard's brother Owen for the whole plot of Six, which led to Owen becoming comatose, and then apparently he woke up. Last time we saw him, he was like lying in a hospital bed, but now he's in prison. So the crew face off against Dom in New York City, where he, aided by hacked cars driving on their own, steals nuclear launch codes from a Russian (laughs) diplomat. In the encounter, he kills Deckard Shaw, but he won't shoot Letty. And when they do finally get the codes back to Cypher, the hacker orders Elena killed because Dom hesitated. Which means we don't have to remember who Elena is next time I go, oh, her! (laughs) It actually works out very well for Letty. They get the baby they want without the other woman. (laughs) There's no custody battle. Yeah, very clean legally. (laughs) Then Dom is sent to Russia to steal a nuclear submarine with the missiles aboard. The crew in race cars show up in the Russian Iceland. With no goddamn chains on their tires. Mm-hmm. They're <laughs> laughing at Pierce for having an orange Lamborghini. Like, that's inappropriate. But Taj is in a tank. I drive a Mustang. If we get freezing rain, I'm skidding out. Yeah, you don't drive on ice in a tank. Bad idea. Actually, I think the tank would do okay. Until it goes through the ice. Well, <laughs> well we'll talk about that because nothing apparently goes through this ice. So then to save Letty, Dom goes rogue against Cypher and starts to fight car wars against Cypher's military trucks. See, Deckard Shaw wasn't really dead. Dom had slipped out of Cypher's sight just long enough to meet up with Magdalene Shaw, Deckard and Owen's mother, played by Helen Mirren. She wasn't in previous ones, right? Nope. Okay, she's new. No, she was in the Red movies. You know, we've (laughs) seen her do this thing before, but not in this (laughs) franchise. The Shaws arranged this plot for revenge on Cypher, so Deckard and Owen go over to the Rock's G.I. Joe franchise to steal some (laughs) jetpacks that they used to board Cypher's Airborne Command Center and rescue Dom's son. But Cypher parachutes out of the plane to safety in case they can afford Charlie's in a sequel. And reunited, back in the fold, and their names cleared, the crew go for a cookout on a New York City rooftop, where Dom names his son Brian, after his still very much alive (laughs) brother-in-law. Won't come to see the baby. That's credits roll. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a long day! Oh, this, yeah. They can't exactly milk the same nostalgia notes there. They they are in an interesting bind of, you know, the last time, no matter whether you like this franchise or not, it was hard not to be moved by the fact mortality was really hanging over there. There were real stakes. You wanted to see people succeed with that movie because of the circumstances they found themselves in, losing the actor midway through production. Here, it's kind of like, what do you do for an encore? After you've had that kind of emotional pull... How do you top it? I guess Cuba is a good place to start. I was excited. I haven't been to Cuba, but it looks like it's doing great since Obama lifted those travel restrictions. Is Cuba that rockin'? 
I've really wanted to go visit, and before it becomes too much more commercialized, I may be too late, apparently, according to this movie anyway, everything has a fresh coat of paint, but one of the cool things about Cuba is that, yes, because of the embargoes against it, all the cars are old, and they do do that here, where, like, yeah, we had to get a boat motor to put in this old junker, and so it's kind of like going back in time, and you see these classic 50s cars souped up and held together with, apparently, some interesting product placement coke can tabs and <laughs> what have you yeah there's coke throughout this whole movie but also not only did this movie break global box office records it was the first american production to film in cuba after the embargo was lifted so you're not seeing new orleans with just mm. a whole bunch of hispanics in there and we're calling it cuba they actually went down there so what you're seeing is how cuba looks although probably not with that chevy impala driving around I'm just wondering about the large crowds of people, perhaps because it's communist. That's why there's so many booty shorts. They got to redistribute all parts of their clothes. It just seemed like spring break. Stuart, you live in L.A. Are there all these booty short women in there like there were in the first Fast and Furious movie? Because if so, I've been to the wrong parts of L.A. You've been to the wrong parts of L.A. It's Dom's crowd where Dom goes booty shorts follow. (laughs) So we're going to get the only race scene in the entire film. Like if... It almost feels obligatory. No, it totally is obligatory. They're like, oh yeah, these are still Fast and Furious movies. I guess we have to have a car race. Yeah, suddenly he has a Cuban cousin named Fernando. For reasons, walk me through. He has a junky car that nevertheless is being repossessed by this guy named Raldo. And Raldo thinks he can get some money for a junky Cuban car in America? So he's going to take it and give it away. And so Dom, in order to save the Junker from being sent to America, is going to race in the Junker, but with Cuban Nas. Yeah, I love it. I love it. That will destroy the car that he was trying to save from going to America. Everything is Cuban. It's Cuban Nas, and they're not racing a quarter mile. They're racing a Cuban mile. (laughs) Are they using metric down there? I'm not quite sure how a Cuban mile differs from an American mile other than it's in Cuba. But it's not that he wants to save his cousin's car, because Dom says you should pay up to your debts. It's the fact that this... Raldo is such a jackass. He tells Letty to shut her mouth and it says, you're going to live up to the deal you made that Dom feels he needs to put this guy in his place. But Fernando is, I mean, it's not like it's a trumped up charge. Fernando is in debt to him for presumably for a legitimate reason. Yeah. And it, it seems that Dom initially wanted Fernando to give up the car. Only when Raldo started talking like he was a big shot, Did Dom feel he needed to earn his respect by saying it's not what's under the hood, it's who's behind the wheel? That's not entirely true. No. no. (laughs) But they are going to have this race where he says he can drive any car, so he has to drive his cousin's car, literally taking the hood off and ripping off the doors to lighten it. Apparently all you need is a pull tab to make a car go fast. Well, did you guys notice that's Brian's trick. He said this is something the Buster used to pull. Well, the Buster was always Brian. You know, it was called that since oh, the first movie. He did go in reverse. I do remember that was his thing. Yeah, he liked to. Go. I thought he went in reverse because the front end was on fire. No, but... the Coke can tab was Brian's trick. Oh. The going in reverse, yes, Brian did go in reverse in, I think, Fast and Furious 2. Here, he just went in reverse because the flames are going to trail and they were going to cook him because his engine catches fire in a... There's many times in this movie 
that I really thought Dom was the ghost rider, including this one where he's got the flaming car. Later on, he's going to have flaming tires. Don't even make me jump to the end of this movie. Don't make me yet. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's an obligatory opener just to remind you you're in a Fast and Furious universe. I also think they're trying to set up the fact that, yeah, I think we are supposed to think that Dom, by pushing it to the limits... He could destroy himself, that it's foreshadowing a final sacrifice. We're supposed to think maybe the series could lose Vin Diesel. An interesting question. And one that gets asked when he, after he has sex with Letty and he has a moment, you know, he's the hero and all the kids run up to him. And Notice only kids run up to him like there was nobody over 18. Where were the hot booty girl <laughs> shorts there? There was a bunch of kids. It felt like that scene in Indiana Jones where the kids were saving him from being killed. I didn't understand why these little kids were all around Dom. It was kind of cool that we had to ditch the flaming car, though, and it like launched in the air. I'll give this race props for a good ending i I think as far as a a race goes it's as good as any again i for me it's i'm always going to give more points to like things like location the little details if it's somewhere i want to be or someplace i haven't seen utilized in the chase before yeah i thought that was cool but i guess sex with vin diesel is really really bad because even letty is wondering do you really love me or or do you love the adrenaline high of being in a car that there's some since even then that maybe Dom doesn't make her happy. Oh, I didn't get that from her at all. I mean, she says this place makes you happy, but I never got her saying, do you love me? She's then saying, you know, should we have kids? And it's interesting. She goes, it's not about what I want or you want, but why haven't we asked the question? Making me think there's marital problems. They're on their supposed Mm -hmm. honeymoon. (laughs) But if you're avoiding the topic of kids, that's usually a topic you discuss before marriage so that you kind of know what you're getting into forever they've been busy saving the world what they got time to talk about kids yeah and she was trying to kill him the last couple movies (laughs) it's difficult to make time for those family expansion discussions but because this plot's got to be very simple they're gonna make everything very clear like we're gonna talk about having kids because he's gonna have a kid later but that's not necessarily the same thing for Letty now, is it? Maybe Letty <laughs> wants to be a mom. Yeah. Maybe. But what I'm saying is everything is just told up front. There are no mysteries in this. Like, Cypher shows up. I don't know what came first. The name of this film, Fate, or this monologue that Cypher has. This is fate. And everything you do is walking around. You're all controlled. I really did feel like I was back in the Matrix and I had the architect talking to me or something. Her monologues are universally abysmal. Awful. Oh my god. I mean, she is... Charlize Theron's an actress I really like. I really respect. I can't wait to see Atomic Blonde from that trailer I saw before the film. (laughs) Me too. Can we just do that as like a one-off? Atomic Blonde looks like (laughs) the best movie of this summer. I'm so excited for that. She was so good in Mad Max. Obviously, that's why you get her for another car film. But I swear to God, it feels to me like she wouldn't even read the script. She said, how many zeros are on the check? I'll do it. Put up some cue cards. Maybe her hair was braided too tight. She just couldn't get the lines out. I don't know. (laughs) I'm not going to blame Charlize here. I mean, yeah, she did it for the money. And who can blame her? I'm sure it was a substantial paycheck. But yeah, faded. Did you hear that, East L.A. gangbangers? If you don't clean up your act, you're going to be working for computer hackers stealing nuclear codes. This series... I admire it for its evolution. It's like a little caterpillar that went into a pupa stage in Tokyo and emerged this spy film butterfly. But 
part of me really misses my favorite film of this franchise is still no spoiler to how I recommend this film is still Fast Five, where it was Ocean's Eleven with cars. And I think they kept that Ocean's Eleven vibe with Dom being the anti-hero, you know, even to a degree in part six and a little in part seven. He's who Hobbs is going to call. It, when Hobbs, who's still working for the DSS, gets this mission from a guy to go to Germany, and of course it's going to interrupt the soccer game, but he says he needs a team. He's not going to call DSS agents. He's not going to call the FBI. He's not going to call any of them. He's going to call Dominic Toretto, the race car driver, to be his team they're not insured, they're not employed, they're not sanctioned. Yeah, it's the crux of this series. If you are going to enjoy this series, you just have to be good with the idea that when our government gets in trouble, we don't call SEAL Team 6 anymore. <laughs> we call soccer dads on steroids. And you know what? I'm good with that as long as the team has chemistry. And the most successful ones, 5, 6, and 7, there's been good team chemistry. I'll agree with that. I think it's missing here, and I admittedly, this whole movie's about breaking up the team. And so you take out Vin, but really, what was interesting to me about Fast Five is how the team came together. Like, Dom knew these people, and Brian knew these people, and you had all these various people running around. Everyone had a specialty. Brian drove Tokyo cars, and, and Dom drove american muscle cars and then we had a hacker and then we had whatever tyrese does <laughs> complain loudly well they were all pretty much drivers what exactly was han's specialty versus tyrese versus brian you had I, what was it in seven was it ramsey's job to get that guy to like grab her butt because they have like thermo oh. print on her, yes. her her bikini bottom like everyone had a role now we have like two <laughs> hackers <laughs> this team has lost their specialties Ramsey did have a point once. It was to get her ass grabbed. Okay. Yes. There, I, you're right. You're reminding me of, of all of this. But I think that what I heard when I see this dialogue that goes between Dom and Cypher when she's got the rigged up trap that she's at the Range Rover that's not starting. He's offering to help. He doesn't realize that he's caught in a trap here is that she's willing to offer him the life he used to have. That he could go back to being the bad guy. And wasn't that adrenaline rush more than being a family man? Certainly more than being a dad with kids. Isn't that more appealing here? And she has some secret on him. You know, the big hook for half this movie is she pulls out a cell phone, flashes something at him. And all I'm thinking is, bitch, what could you have worse than Last Witch Hunter? Or <laughs> there's this breakdance video. Like, there's no footage of Vin Diesel. Have you seen his Street Shark promo? Maybe it's The Rock kicking his ass for being a candy ass. <laughs> I, I, you know, I can't imagine what it is that she got. So that did hook me. It's like, what could she have that's not out there already that would make him turn? I wondered that. And I mean, it's going to be mysterious. He's just looking at a phone. I can honestly say never in a million years did I think it was something to do with Elena. But then we're going to jump. You know, we're in Havana. We jump to Mysterious Coordinates. Hobbs is giving a speech, you know, he's about to get that mission to go to Germany. We know it's a fake out, right? Oh yes, my god, yeah. instantly. This movie, whatever it might excel at, surprise is not one of them. There's almost no. nothing about this film that you can't see coming from miles away. And that is 100% the fault of F. Gary Gray. The way things are staged, the way things are shot, the fact that 
you don't believe for a second, even though they're trying to tell us we're in coordinates. I looked them up. The coordinates are L.A. I don't know where Hobbs lives because later we're going to have a cookout in New York. And I thought it was his place. But we're in Los Angeles coordinates. And that he's giving the speech. I'm like, he's coaching softball or something like that. It turned out it was soccer. That's as big of a shock as we could get. And then they're going to do this war dance and make funny faces. The haka. That, yeah, that's a Islander war dance to intimidate. I don't know. It seems like a little disrespectful. Like There's a lot of tradition and history behind that. And here, to play it as a joke, like you never play it as a joke. That Very disrespectful to do that. This is a PG-13 movie, right? Yeah, it says the F word once. It really feels PG. Yeah, I feel like this series started in our territory and has recognized part of the reason why it is so in demand is that it does play for all audiences, that younger audiences, for kids, I really feel like there are moments here designed for them. And The Rock has that image. I mean, he always has, even in his wrestling days, I feel like he was beloved by 12-year-olds. Well, I think that's the primary audience for pro wrestling anyway, but... I think it's twofold. I'm glad I rewatched Furious 7 to find out that Hobbs had a daughter. I forgot that he had that daughter. But rewatching that movie right before this one helped me to know immediately he was going to be doing his daughter's team, not just any random team of sports. And then also the people who were, you know, a little bit younger than me when the first Fast and Furious came out and, and then left the theater and turned on their ground effects on their car now have kids probably this age and so you're both appealing to the kids and appealing to the soccer dads who are still trying to remember when they drove fast cars not to mention their universe building right like eventually she's gonna get her own driver's permit spinoff maybe with baby brian i mean you know who knows Nickelodeon show. And there's some joke here, I don't even understand why it's there, that like all the moms from the school come to watch the soccer game just to stare at Hobbs. It's... You don't get that? It's called ego stroking. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't understand why it's in this movie. You could say that about a lot of things. Why is it in this movie? This movie should be 90 minutes. He's the star now. I mean, we have to think of Dwayne Johnson. Not only is he probably one of our biggest stars in movies, I think one of the highest paid... But also, he's the leader of this team, and Dom works for him. That had to be a source of this tension you're talking about. This is Vin Diesel's franchise, but The Rock is bigger. The Rock saved the franchise. Can we just all admit that? I think I said that back when we did Furious 5. SNL had that skit that he was franchise Viagra because he was in G.I. Joe at the same time, really raising the profile. That didn't help G.I. Joe. It made it more popular by having him as Roadblock. I think they knew then they needed something else in this franchise. That's why it hurt them so bad when he wasn't going to be in 7. He didn't have the time to film, and that's why his role was so reduced. Yeah, he is a much bigger star. Again, compare Moana to Triple X, part 3. Well, very different movie. That's unfair. That's Disney versus a really (laughs) bad action film. Uh, I I get where you're going at. That Vin Diesel is largely a star that best biggest days have left him behind. Whereas The Rock, until Baywatch comes out, is still a huge star. But yeah, he is working. I don't know if he's working for so much as I viewed them as peers. But it's Hobbs who gets the missions because Hobbs is working for the man and... Vin can't be caged, and so they're called in. When they actually get to the mission, I don't know who's in charge. Tej? Tej is the one who somehow (laughs) hooked up a wrecking ball. But I was so happy 
because having just rewatched Furious 7, it occurred to me, why are they still using walkie-talkies? They have these souped-up cars, but they're driving with one hand on the wheel with walkie-talkies. They all got Bluetooth in between films. As an upgrade of kind. I was looking for earpieces or something. I'm like, are they just yelling at each other through their <laughs> windows? And this movie's dumb enough where they just might be. <laughs> I think at times they are, because somehow later in the movie when he's the bad guy, Dom starts yelling yes. things at other people, and he can't be on that conference call. I mean, wouldn't you want to tune out Roman at this point? I think the only thing he does in this movie besides complain is right here in Germany that he's the one that's meant to set off the distraction. He's a bomb expert, I guess. No, he's a distraction expert. That's what he did in part seven, <laughs> yeah. too. Do what you do best. Yeah. Shine. Create okay. the distraction. But anyway, they set off a whole lot of bombs. And yeah, then there's wrecking balls. And I'm having a hard time getting into this one. I feel like the hook is pretty loose. If the idea that, okay, Dom is going to steal the device that they're stealing and go off with Cypher. I needed that quicker and I needed that to be a more dramatic, intense turn. The fact that Dom is doing it because he's being blackmailed is different than Dom turning because he's been seduced to the dark side. Well, and be because this movie's so obvious, we know he's got a plan. Like, when he gets yes. that call from Hobbs, he's working on some little gadget, and he's got that necklace hanging there. I'm like, oh, that's going to solve all the problems by the end of this film. Basically, the way I see it is that they want Charlize to be the Joker, the Heath Ledger, Dark Knight. I have the dramatic heft. I'm going to put in monologue the screws to our main character to make him really consider where his loyalties lie. If if this weren't such a comic-y, silly franchise, you might be able to do that. But who wants the Christopher Nolan Fast and Furious movie? Is You think that's what they were going for? I never got Joker off of her. Oh, yeah. Mainly, I mean, her performance does not even begin to approach that of Heath Ledger. And again, Charlize could. She didn't. But her monologues here, I didn't find them to be insightful every time the joker spoke i thought there was something really there when he'd say things about human nature and the way humans yes. would react i went with it here i think she's trying to be like a smart hacker i thought they were trying to spout like matrix type bullshit wisdom choice theory yeah, yeah choice theory that doesn't sound to me like the joker that sounds to me like i'm really super smart when she's gonna say oh there's all these axioms i think they're trying to portray her as genius and she's just so full of information the matrix and the joker i think they both get into that kind of choice theory the matrix does it really clumsily and nolan was able to do something great with heath ledger's the joker where just there was an intensity and a menace to it and this is more on that matrix side so i can see how you get the joker like they did the same kind of things but this is just falling on that clunky monologuing side i'll give it this the best moment of action in the film to me is when Dom takes out Hobbs on this thing. And Hobbs is like... He just runs him off the road. That's the best moment for you? Yes, it is. Wow, okay. I but, but, I mean, Hobbs' truck flips multiple times. And I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, I know Dom had to go rogue, but did he just kill Hobbs? Because very few people... I forgot already that Hobbs was the person whose broken arm he decided it's just not going to be broken anymore. I'm going to hulk out of my <laughs> cast and be done. He's going to flex and break the cast, yeah. But he is, like, pinned in his car. He can't get out. Like, that dashboard is, like, collapsed on him or something. They'd like us to believe that Dom could go very bad. But let's remember, even in the first movie, at his worst, at his most maniacal, he was carjacking semis full of VCRs. Well, they were DVDs. <laughs> I gotta agree with that. But... 
I like him as the anti-hero, you know? I like him as being on the wrong side, and I don't want to see him doing good for good's sake. What's in it for him to risk his family? <laughs> By going to Berlin, trying to help Hobbes here, is he now just on the side of right? I wish this movie gave it to me. You get Charlie's Theron Cypher saying, oh, you love the adrenaline. of You live your life a quarter mile at a time. How about living your whole life like that? Is it just he's such an adrenaline junkie? In the last movie, they had all that stuff. Brian misses the bullets. Does Dom miss the bullets and the explosions? Why is he even doing what he's doing? I'm at a loss. I know why the franchise is doing what he's doing. I don't know why he's doing it. I didn't think I would miss Paul Walker in a Fast and Furious film. I'm there with you. Seeing this one, I understand what his role was. Dom has no one to play off. There is no light side. There's no Luke to Dom's Han Solo here. And Vin Diesel is aimless. <laughs> Come on. You, you, what you needed is the Han Solo to Vin Diesel's Chewie. <laughs> sure. But if you shave Chewie, I, I did find it funny. At one point, they show like a profile, a computer profile on Dom. And it's like, here, dark. No, bald. <laughs> he ain't got no hair. I'm telling you, look at that breakdance video. <laughs> It's really worth your time. But anyway, I mean, this has always been a series that is hard to take seriously. It's proudly melodramatic and cliched and trashy. And I think the people that love it would celebrate it as such. Those aren't criticisms. We want it to be melodramatic and over the top. So the fact that they're doing these eye-rolling overplays of family here, I think is in keeping with anything as absurd as we saw in certainly, you know, part six. But Brian was all like sunshine, bright eyes, bushy tail to Dom's grimace. And I just feel that's missing here. Brian was also the moral center, the ex-FBI agent who would be willing to go with Hobbes because he was very duty-bound and things. He would be the reason. They try to replace him here with this little nobody, right? That's trying to be the yeah. new Brian and failing in every way. He is a nobody. <laughs> Then let me stick up and say, uh, not. I guess I'm not sticking up for Scott Eastwood. I'll just say that I have the same feelings of blandness towards him that I did for Paul Walker. I cannot be nostalgic for Paul Walker. I think that his the death of the actor was tragic, and the way that they played it in the last movie was very touching. But don't tell me that you missed the character. I just don't feel that. No, no, no. What I'm saying is that character type played a pivotal role for this group dynamic and little nobody isn't playing that role everyone here is just arguing it's just yelling we don't get those cool ocean 11 moments because everyone's sitting in a room i mean roman's complaining about being number 11 on the interpol list the whole time look a good fast and furious movie gets me on tyrese gibson's side where i'm laughing at his jokes and i'm not laughing at his jokes everyone's just arguing in this film it's not fun it loses that team dynamic that i've enjoyed in the ones that i've recommended i'm I'm going to agree. I think the one thing perhaps I never gave Paul Walker credit for was the chemistry he brought. Because when Roman would go off on his spiels, it was Brian who could undercut him and bring him down to earth. They try to give some of that to Tej here. Ludacris looks like he's phoning it in in this film, too. <laughs> he went to the gym in the last couple. On this one, he's just like, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to work out. I'm, I'm in, like, Russia. I'm not going to take my shirt off. <laughs> it's cold. And Scott Eastwood, we're talking about the lieutenant from Suicide Squad here. I don't know what they were thinking, but you're right. This group needs to gel, and it needs to gel fast. And instead, you take away both 
Brian and Dom, and you're left with a whole bunch of nobodies, and they're trying to answer to The Rock, who is the only one who goes to prison. He was told this mission is so off the books, you won't just be burned, you'll go to prison. He did, but everybody else was able to escape because their cars didn't flip. And and they wouldn't stop to give him a ride. <laughs> Maybe he didn't fit in the trunk, I don't know. Problems with being too big. Notice he drives a truck this whole film. He's never fast, he's only furious, because he never gets the fast cars. He's always driving, like, the big trucks. But he doesn't get sent to German prison, which is what I would think would happen if you're arrested in Germany for invading a military base there. He's somehow sent back to the States, and when he refuses nobody's offer of becoming a black ops agent, he's put in the cell right across from Shaw, Jason Statham, so we can have that tension this whole film. I'll give him this. Of all the characters in this movie, those two do play off each other best. Yeah, except we don't get the fight that we've been promised. I do like when there are cross cells and The Rock is like ripping the bench off of the wall and pumping iron with it and all that menacing stuff going on. But once those cell blocks open because nobody, it, again, this may be my favorite action scene when all those cell blocks open and there's a big prison riot and beanbag guns and all that. It's not necessary. They didn't have to shoot this. They didn't have to come up with this way for Hobbs to join nobody. You're right. This is my favorite action scene. I was thinking car action when I said the flipping. You're right. As far as other action, I forget there's fist fights in this movie. And yes, this is the best. And it's because you got Jason Statham and The Rock and they're both doing what they do. Statham starts going like parkour and running over. Yeah, he's doing his transporter thing. Yeah, running on walls and The Rock. He somehow, you know, he's going to be, what is it, Black Adam in the DC universe? Yes. He's already got those powers. And is using them here. He can, like, lift people by their throats with one hand. Although, I do think Jason Statham gets the biggest diss of the entire film when he reminds The Rock he was in Hercules. I don't remember this. I missed that. Yeah, he calls him Hercules at one point when they're still in the jail cell. I'm like, damn, you're bringing that up. That would be like calling Dom a witch hunter. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. You guys are complaining a lot. I don't feel like this is worse than anything we've gotten before. I think that it's more of the same. The issue I'm having is what's new, what's fresh, what is revving me up here? I feel like a lot of people are doing victory laps. They're like, yep, we're cool. We're back here. We're doing what we do and your enjoyment level of that is dependent on how much you need more of it i guess fans of this series just really like seeing fast cars and stuff that's all i can understand because after the previous three films which are much better than this this does feel stale and yeah i don't want to eat stale food i don't want to eat food with mold on it that does make me angry i don't even think the car action is good in this one really i felt far more into all of the races in the very first Fast and Furious film. Hell, I felt more into the races in the second one than I felt into any of the Carmageddon going on here. And let me just ask you, I know Cypher has this revenge plot against Dom, whatever, sure. But I tried to figure out when I was going through my notes, why does Cypher need Dom? And initially, she needed him because she somehow knew that Hobbs would be sent to get the EMP and that Hobbs would call Dom 
and then Dom could get her the EMP. That is the one time that Dom has a skill that is going to help Cypher to get her plan. And we need to talk about what that plan is. But the first part of that plan is to get an EMP. After that, the plan is to get nuclear launch codes and send zombie cars around and then to finally steal a nuclear submarine. Exactly what skills does an L.A. street racer dvd thief bring to this hacker organization who has plenty of muscle they have an airplane that surfs the radar waves so they can't be detected like yeah but they need this dude from east la to drive a car really fast it's the crux of the series it's been a problem for several movies now you can't (laughs) tell me this is not what they did in part five they upped their game and you now must accept that, yeah, low riders are the new SEAL Team 6. But in part five, he was doing it himself. He was on his own mission. He was rogue. He was going criminal. He was not being recruited by the government and by people to do this. He had to do it. It was starting with part six that they were suddenly the go-to team. I mean, And I want to remind folks, part six is still my very least favorite of the whole series. I hated that movie. More than two. Oh, yeah. The worst. Hated it with a passion. I remember that because it's the best one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, all you need is a... You're just some tank whore. Yeah, we're getting to the tank, so I'm waiting to see where you go with that, Jacob. But keep me in suspense. But yeah, I just don't see what Cypher needs with him. Now, she will say later on, you ruined two of my plans. You ruined both movies six and seven. And so I'm going to turn my attention to you. But at that point, you just shoot his wife, kid, him, and call it a day. You don't keep him around to be the only human you send in in the middle of all these plans. This is all about fate and choices (laughs) and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it it doesn't make any sense. But they're when they try to sound smarter than they are, it's ridiculous. Like when they're using God's eye to try to track Dom and find him, and then Ramsey like spits out some bull crap about like reversing the signal or something. I'm like, just shut up. Don't don't try to convince me. You know what you're talking about. Just say we're gonna reverse the signal. Jacob, it's really simple. They're using a fleet relay which has a decaying sync <laughs> randomizer which they can use to track back to the source. Don't you yeah, get it? Sure, it takes sure. two hackers to do it on this team. Not one, but two. They have to play off each other. Yeah. Well, I, I what you guys are saying is, I think, true here is that up to this point, they built a whole squadron of people to do tasks and then we lost brian and so that was an emotional goodbye but now that they're basically government employees you could shave off here and so it's a worthy question could this franchise if in fact vin diesel is a diva and if in fact this could use some fresh energy if this were the goodbye to dom or if he is going to become the villain of the series could it work without him Could we enjoy this with Letty as the head of the team? I think Vin is going to make sure you couldn't because Vin is going to clinch on. But what you end up with is now, yes, nobody, and I mean that with a capital N, Mr. Nobody is going to be the true head. He's going to be the one who sits back at home. Hobbs is going to be the new lead of this ragtag group, and they're going to bring in Shaw. And even though Shaw killed Han and tried to kill them all, now we're going to have his redemption. We're going to find out that he was recommended for the Victoria Cross, the highest honor the British government has ever given for saving the life of hostages and his teammates. And he's not there. He doesn't care about their crew. He's after Cypher. 
Cypher himself because Cypher came to him and he said he didn't want the job of doing Nightshade. And so then Cypher went to his brother and he's blaming Cypher for all this. Do we forget that he like tried to kill everybody? They really give his murderous character a glossing over to add Jason Statham to the good pain. There's not even dramatic tension like when he shows up. Like It's like, oh yeah, he's on the team. Yeah, and so my question is, the real question to ask is not, is this logical? That's a wrong way to approach this whole <laughs> franchise. Is it fun to see someone that used to be the bad guy be the good guy and vice versa? That's what they're doing here. They're bored. They're like, we need to mix it up. So let's you know, redecorate. We can't afford a new house, so we'll just redo the wallpaper. And so is it fun to see Jason Statham have to pal around with The Rock who wants to beat him like a Cherokee drum? That is. That is the only chemistry I like here. And it seems like they're having fun. There's a moment where The Rock says to Jason Statham, I'm going to punch you so hard, your teeth are going to go down your throat. You're going to have to stick a toothbrush up your ass when you want a brush. That actually, they're laughing in such a way that I think that that's just like an outtake. Like, they couldn't even say that line with a straight face. And they're just laughing at what a good time they are having shit-talking each other. But everybody else in this crew, Letty, why are you not more torn up? Yes, Dom and Cypher are going to break into nobody's base to steal God's Eye, which is what she wanted last film anyway. And they're going to break in. And Letty gets, Dom, are you going to turn your back on family? Just like that. You've seen it in the trailer, so you know that her delivery is really poor. And he just, then Cypher kisses him out of the blue. They don't have a romantic thing. Again, bad sex. Like, maybe she could find someone better in the set. Clearly, they're not into it. And Cypher does later on say, Dom, you could have stopped me. Why'd you let me kiss you like that? And let Letty think that. But Letty isn't that torn up. She's not that emotional at one point Hobbs is going to punch a wall I think that's the emotion we get from him Tyrese and Tej are just so along for the ride at this point I don't get anything out of any of them except when they see hot cars they get like boners because they do go (laughs) I don't know if you guys ever watch much television where there's car ads but I watch the news every single day there's this Frickin' ad. It's a Dodge ad. And there's a scene from this movie where Michelle Rodriguez walks in and goes, what is this place? And then you go to Tej and he goes, this is heaven. But then you have the Dodge spokeswoman walking out. Yeah, muscle heaven. And then they start trying to sell you a charger. And (laughs) that's the only time I get emotion from these characters is when they're in this base that I have now labeled muscle heaven thanks to a really bad Dodge ad. And yeah, poor Scott Eastwood, who is supposed to be part of the team, but the ru- the taskmaster, he feels he has to enforce the rules. So he takes them to a, pl- a warehouse full of impractical cars and then yells at them when they want tanks and orange Lamborghinis. Now that tank, I looked up this tank. This is a real tank. It is called the Ripsaw. It looks like a his tank from G.I. Joe. It's a lightweight military-grade vehicle. It's kind of like the Humvee, where there's military Humvees, and then you could also just buy a Hummer to drive. This is actually a 750-horsepower tank under 10,000 pounds that can go over 100 miles an hour. 
But not a commercial one. Like, you, I couldn't go buy this and ride around. You could go buy a Ripsaw Stewart. Oh, okay. Well, then that's exactly what I'm going to do. It doesn't tomorrow. have the big gun on it, but you can buy an ultra high-end luxury Ripsaw. Move to Texas and you can probably get that gun put on there. Go to RipsawTank.com. There's this most stereotypical... You know that scene in Jackie Brown where there's the girl shooting the guns, that <laughs> television ad? That's exactly what RipsawTank.com looks like. But yes, you can get a super high-end luxury tank that you can drive. Street legal. So it is fast. It is furious. And there is a drone version. I didn't even know they were working on drone tanks, but I guess that makes sense. Yeah, that that is the funny thing because they're like this muscle heaven that you're calling it, Arnie. This is where we seize cars from drug dealers. Oh, but we also have tanks in here. And they're getting all these cool vehicles to stop Dom. They somehow know that he's going to strike in New York. Didn't you follow the techno jargon about surfing the radar waves and they could calculate and figure out where the plane's going based on the empty blank spots and radar? I wrote every word of that down and then I analyzed it after the fact and I'm like, did the writer know what they're talking about or was it like something, something, something dark side? You know what I'm saying? Yes. Well, I'm just laughing because Roman's calling the driver of the forklift Blanta. I, that was like the biggest laugh I got this whole film. It really does feel... Oh, I feel bad for you if that's the biggest laugh because I didn't laugh. It's the only time I laughed is when he because I felt like Tyrese was ad-libbing and it was actually amusing versus anything else he's given to do. I think he feels like he's number 11 and he's always trying to get that camera on him by trying to break out jokes that aren't funny. I have always had that problem with him. So again, you guys are citing things that I have been saying for movie after movie. Yeah, but he's been successful in a couple the fact that this one is hitting you in this way i think means it's fatigue it's fatigue of the furious that we're experiencing here <laughs> but i'm gonna say you guys have been complaining about the car chases i actually think one of the coolest ones of the whole franchise is this one with the driverless vehicles i was so hoping that would be good because they get to new york First time the franchise has gone to New York. I love how they're doing their titles here, too. You know, they, like, put it slanted like the letters for Havana were in the water. The letters for New York are on the street. And I wondered how you could have a car chase in New York because I've been in Manhattan traffic. Yeah, I, I got to call BS on this. They go to Times Square. You get to see some tourists selfieing. That's the only realism there is in this scene because the traffic does not move like this. But I'm looking forward to this. I wrote in my notes... 45 minutes in, I'm bored as hell, but I know they're getting to New York. Really, this has all been set up, right? We had to get the team together. It took them 45 damn minutes to get Dom working for Cypher and to get nobody in charge of the rest of them on this mission to New York. But we're going to get a sidestep before the zombie cars because Dom's going to step on this big red button on his car, say he's having engine problems, and slip off to see Helen Mirren. And you said, Stuart, this movie's bad at surprises. Instantly, we all knew this was Shaw's mom, right? Yes. Yeah, and and again, it's not even a funny pairing to see Vin Diesel and an old woman. He did that with Judy Dench in a Riddick movie, and we've seen Helen Mirren go do cars before in Red 2. She had a tremendous driving scene. So all of this, again, it's this is not Nas that they're piping in here. This is like old gas. It's... <laughs> 
It's a clunker. It's it's Cuban Nas. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps it's Cuban. But whatever it is, again, I'm not having a bad time. I just feel like I'm having deja vu. I mean, you don't think it's cool when, like, the cars start flying out of the top of the parking garage? That was the one moment when they're like, make it rain, and the cars start falling. But there's a whole lot of stuff before that. Yeah, there is. I wish I liked it more when she says, (laughs) I, I... as a computer person, this techno babble bugs me. I want every chip with a zero day exploit in a two mile radius around that motorcade. Now, do you know what a zero day exploit is? I, writers, I don't think you do. What's so weird is they go out of the way. Okay, now we got to hack and turn off their safety, their auto turn off function. Like, they over explain way too much for a dumb movie like this. Like, I think the reason they explain so much is because it wouldn't make sense to watch them just pounding keys and then see cars driving. You need to explain it to the audience because otherwise it doesn't make any sense. But the whole thing, I could, all I thought about was all these cars driving themselves. My wife has a car that can parallel park itself, and that's pretty damn awesome. And I know that there's the Mercedes these ads with a steering assist that will help you avoid a collision but when i'm seeing these cars go nuts all i'm remembering is that toyota lawsuit where they had to pay like a billion dollars because their cars started accelerating and killed people and that's what i'm thinking of when the driverless car starts ramming into the taxis and come on a taxi gets roboed yeah no way no way no. the taxis are the oldest freaking cars that are the most Put together with chewing gum and bailing wire, they do not have a zero-day exploit chip. <laughs> I will say the best part about this chase, it, it, there's two, uh, besides make it rain and the car is falling out. It's when the Russian defense diplomat or whatever, like, they got a rail gun that pops out of the top <laughs> of their car. And they just start shooting all the cars to get away. Where was that gun hidden? We see inside the car there's no gun. It's I don't like- even care. I just love that it pops out and they start shooting up American. Like, World War Three is here. Like, the, the new <laughs> Nukes have been launched, and Cypher had nothing to do with it. It is pretty awesome when they start blowing up the robo cars or the zombie cars. I did enjoy <laughs> See? the explosions. I, that's what I'm saying, is I think you guys have been turned off by the movie up to this point, so maybe you weren't primed to have a good moment here. But I think that this is as good a chase as any in any of the frames. I was overly primed because I felt like somebody had been pumping the prime button on me for 45 minutes. This is the scene where I'm like, I know I'm bored, but now this, now we can shift into fourth gear, right? Because we got everything set up. Now the movie can be awesome. And I thought that with the zombie cars, it would be. I, I think it's really badly filmed and staged. It just lacked adrenaline. There's ideas I like in here and stuff blows up. But I don't ever feel my pulse quicken a beat, and that's a bad thing. That's the thing. There are ideas here that are interesting. Like, I love it when Jason Voorhees' Dom shows up, like, (laughs) in a hockey mask and, like, all black. That was, like, a welding mask, and he's got a shield. I I was thinking Jason 2099, perhaps, from Jason X. Yes, I'm like, do something awesome with that. He lights a flare. It ends in a predictable manner. He basically extorts the guy to hand over the nuclear football. And so, yeah, Charlize just keeps collecting what she needs to get to the final piece. When all these grappling guns come out, the furious whatever, eight, 
whatever we're calling this team, they show up and they shoot out some grappling hooks and I don't even care. I don't know how Dom gets away and I don't even care. I'm not into that moment at all. And that seems like that should be a big moment when it's Dom versus the team. With the turn is when it goes on foot, you know, like, yeah, basically they basically draw and quarter his car and he has to get out. And, and what does that do drawing and quartering a car? I mean, it's not like a person where they bleed to death here. You're tearing off doors. I'm telling you, this is what the series is. This is a series about cars. If you had to make a spy movie in which James Bond is a car, <laughs> then this is the stupid stuff you have to do. I'm trying to accept it on that premise, even though this is not the spy movie I would want or the hero. I'm not a gearhead. I just, I don't even know the makes of these cars. For some people, they're probably salivating watching the Bentley get flipped or whatever. I was weeping about the Bentley, but again, here comes Ghost Rider because Dom's going to flip the Nas his tires are going to start catching fire. I don't think rubber works like that. And he's going to come back. He's going to flip those two cars in the air and then flip himself. So that plan didn't work well. But the drama is that while on foot, two things. One, he corners Letty. And is he going to let her go? She yes. gets it away. And we're supposed to think that's a dramatic moment. Is what Cypher has on him more important than the quote-unquote love that he's vaguely shown to her on the honeymoon. <laughs> but before that even, Shaw gets the nuclear That's football. the other one, yeah. And we get from a distant shot that he's going to shoot Shaw twice and Shaw goes down. We know. Even in the NBA, you couldn't get away with that kind of flop. It was so bad. So obvious. And again, I blame the director because it wasn't staged like the death of a major character. Imagine if you'd had Shaw becoming a little bit more integrated in the team. I mean, I like Jason Statham as an actor. We reviewed the Transporter films. I just enjoy his action. I think he's a good action hero. I think he's funny. And so imagine if they played it like, oh my God, you killed Shaw. The way they played Letty's death. I don't even think they mentioned that he's dead. They do. They do. Okay. At a later point, they go, Shaw didn't make it. Yeah. It's a drop line. But there's no music sting. There's no boom, boom, boom. You killed Shaw. They don't play it like Shaw is dead. And so I could see people watching this movie and when Shaw shows up later, be like, where has he been? Not even realizing this is supposedly some elaborate ruse that I can't follow any more than Cypher's master plan. Because the, the fact that they bring the twins back into it. Like, I forgot about those guys. Oh, I do love Leo and Santos returning. Yes. That that put a big smile on my face. It makes me wish they had a bigger part in the film other than just a cameo where they still have their dreads. But so help me. Dom goes to Mrs. Shaw mm -hmm. and says, Mrs. Shaw, I'm being blackmailed because they have my baby. And I got five minutes, by the way. We we only got we we're covering the ATM camera and whatever is in the alley <laughs> with a hood. And we got five minutes to quote fix my car. And that Cuban guy whose respect I earned is going to back a truck up for me. That's so stupid. <laughs> That was, I, I want to say, we all knew that that set up, the fact that he got to keep his car and earn his respect, we knew that guy would have to come back and do something for nope. Dom. Well, he did, but I mean. No, it, it, was, it was the fact that they like zoom in on his keychain. I'm like, why are they showing that off in the middle of the screen? Because that's how they're going to identify him later on, just in case you forgot who he was. Yeah. You need to bring in a Cuban to do this, to back up a truck in front of an ATM? I, Couldn't Leo or Santos have backed it up? <laughs> Couldn't anyone, I could have done that. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes in there and he gives her this giant like 1980s pac-man game playing watch and i'm wondering what is he giving her 
his wedding necklace, the one that was wrapped around his and Letty's hand in their marriage because he forgot a ring, has a transponder in it. So even though the airplane is flying between radar, and this is never explicit in the film. It took me going through my notes to go, oh, he gave her this transponder. So then she goes, somehow gets in touch with Deckard Shaw and says, we need to go help Dom. And so Deckard's going to arrange for his own death i guess somehow within minutes this is happening keep in mind because dom <laughs> is about to go on the attack he got five minutes and somehow in that five minutes mm. mrs shaw is going to tell deckard take a fall somehow deckard is going to tell little nobody tell them all i'm dead and somewhere they're going to get owen shaw out of what a coma or a prison or wherever so they can put a little scar makeup on him later on all of this is happening in the span of like five minutes while they're racing cars yeah, I mean, again, logic not the thing you should push here. Maybe not logic is the thing you should push, but is this cool right. and cut like an ocean, again, Ocean's Eleven, pulling off some kind of scheme, and it doesn't even meet that level. And if it could meet that level, because they've done that before. They've, yes. they've pulled off an Ocean Eleven's vibe before, where it felt fun. And when they showed us how this was all done at the end of the film, they tried to pull that Ocean's Eleven by showing us the intercuts with Leo and Santos, just like the end of Ocean's 11 where you see them intercutting with the fake thing it's the reveal of how they did it while you see the results of it but it's not the same when you see weird people in jetpacks i'm like who the hell are these things? yeah i was so confused am i watching spider-man early is the vulture here <laughs> and they're cutting back to dom and leo and santos it's really poorly done but because he let letty go and there's this other guy running around roads who he was not in any of the previous Fast and Furious films, right? Because Letty's going to say, I knew him when I worked for Shaw, but I looked him up. and his I saw him a lot on my road trip. He is the face of a budget hotel chain that I stayed in more than one night on my road trip across the country. <laughs> I, basically what I knew him from, that and a Norwegian movie that's actually pretty good called The Tourist or Force Majeure. He's on Game of Thrones. I'll give, yeah. I, But he is going to put a gun to Letty's head. Dom puts a gun to his head. Cypher must punish Dom. This is the Joker moment. This is Maggie Gyllenhaal's Gotta Die, except this series can't carry the weight of a Christopher Nolan movie. It doesn't have the self-importance. It never tried to do this before. So the fact that they're trying now, just poor Charlize, that she's expected to somehow infuse this with that same kind of sense of danger. Losing Elena is not the same thing. It will never be the same thing. And hell, I'm not even sure she's dead. No, I, I think I yawned. Bond. Like, who cares? I knew they weren't going to kill the baby. We right. knew Elena was gone. She's been such a minor character in the previous ones, and that's a mistake. I cared when they killed Han. I cared when they killed Letty. I cared when they killed Giselle. Yeah, Gal Gadot. And I really, really cared when they wrote Brian out of the series. So that this is so lackluster. I do think they had a problem where they had to cut to Dom's face. Apparently, they wanted a 11-year-old UK rating, and they left something in the film that was getting them the 15-year-olds could only come in. So they had to cut something. I'm betting it was something to do with Elena getting shot. It might have helped the moment play a little better than just hearing a gunshot. But here, my God, is this Vin Diesel's, like, 
Oscar reel, although it's probably more likely a Razzie reel, when Cypher's like, this is your doing. My doing? His eyes are rolling around in his head, and he's like <laughs> trying to really emote and give us pain and give us suffering, and I'm... All right, I said that my biggest laugh in the movie was Blanton. No, my biggest laugh in the movie is at Vin Diesel's acting in the scene. You know, I, again, I don't think he thinks he's going to get an Oscar. He did predict the last movie would win Best Picture incorrectly. Yeah, not this one. He's No predictions here. Smart man. I think he thinks that this is his meal ticket. He is not interested in bringing new dimensions to this character. He is playing it in the same way, and that may be reassuring for some fans, but it just means to me, now that that he's got to carry more of this movie and take it into this quote-unquote darker dimension, it's on him to do something with it, and he's not. He's not trying any harder. And so, yeah, you do kind of wish The Rock would take this franchise away. You do wish this was mm -hmm. the last Vin Diesel Fast and Furious movie. But The Rock isn't really working for me in this movie the way he did in the previous ones either. I'm liking his banter with Statham, but by and large... He's just throwing people around, and he's definitely in action hero mode, but his charisma seems turned down to a seven. I still like him in this film. I like The Rock almost in everything, with the exception of Doom and Southland Tales. I can't think of a time I haven't liked The Rock. And so I like him here, but he's not as fun as he was in previous ones. You haven't seen The Tooth Fairy? I have seen The Tooth Fairy. Oh, okay. And you liked him, okay. Game plan? I have not seen the game there plan. There we go. That'll get you. <laughs> what was the tornado one? Or there was some disaster movie one. Oh, that that came out last year. San Andreas. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, I did watch that. It was a yawner. But I liked him in it. But the movie sucked. Yeah, I agree. He's an incredibly appealing superhero. You know, like I wouldn't call him a good actor, but he brings a charm that has worked on me. And I don't even usually like that kind of character. But they're not using him to good effect. They're not using anyone to their best effect. I don't feel like anybody, they're using everybody. My compliment is that everyone is getting a moment. Even Scott Eastwood gets a moment here at the end. He'll pull out a chip or something like that. Everyone is given something to do, but I'm not sure that anyone gets a moment that truly wins you over and has you fist pumping the air. I just love the moments where I feel like Kurt Russell has walked off the set of Guardians, put on a suit, and just wandered in, <laughs> spouts some lies, Das Vidania! And then he goes back to film Guardians some more. He, and to be fair, he didn't do anything in the last movie either. No, he did even less. No, but they were promising he would, setting him up. But now they've got this proxy, little nobody, who is just, I don't know anything about him. I feel nothing. You know his dad. I mean, it's Clint Eastwood's kid. And so, yeah, he wants to be a star like his dad, and this is the best he could get. Well, apparently his dad taught him acting lessons where he played the chair in the man versus chair discussion <laughs> because he gives me nothing. I don't think he's any worse than Paul Walker. I refuse to rewrite history and say I miss Paul Walker. I will never miss Paul Walker. I don't miss Paul Walker. I miss what he brought to the dynamic of this team. I miss what everyone brought to the yeah. dynamic of this team. It's missing from everyone. I mean, you talk about The Rock. I feel like he's just cutting promos for WWE the whole time. Like everything is just a one letter about what a tough guy he is. He doesn't have that charm that he's had before. No one has that charm. It, this is just a movie full of furious people that are yelling and fighting and don't seem to be having a good time. You're right. You know when I stop liking The Rock in this film, where he stopped giving anything to do, is once Deckard Shaw is quote-unquote killed, The Rock has nothing to do. He has nobody else to yell at anymore. 
Yeah, he's actually, I guess the turn is that we're supposed to find out, oh, we actually missed the guy. Some At some point in a cut scene, he actually realized that this animosity was fueled to his delight and that he enjoyed hating on Statham and, and misses that he is quote unquote dead. Also in this time, we finally learn Cypher's big plan. Mm. And so let's walk through this. Mm. <laughs> she wanted an EMP. Don't we all? <laughs> if only to shut down this movie. <laughs> and then also she wanted God's eye. She wanted God's eye so she could find a Russian defense minister in New York and then steal the Russian codes. Also, where Dom uses a shield and everything else. Okay, so now she has an EMP, God's Eye, and nuclear codes. The EMP was only needed. You could only use it twice. It turns out it's a two-shot EMP, and those two shots were going to be used to steal a separatist, not Russian, because I guess we didn't want to piss off Russia back then. Well, no, no, no. The Russians, it was a Russian base. It's just separatists had taken it over over the last couple of weeks. Right. So we aren't attacking Russia. That seems like an even bigger diss against the Russians. Like, you can't <laughs> even control your own subs. All of this is so she can steal nuclear missiles because the launch codes aren't enough to launch. Even though she's a hacker, she can't hack into something to enter the codes. She has to physically steal a nuclear submarine with nuclear missiles from this Russian separatist base and use the EMP to make that happen. Okay, so now she has nukes. It's reminding me, do you guys know of that Craigslist person who bought a house for a paperclip? Like, he traded a paperclip for a pen. Oh, he traded up, yeah, yes. Uh-huh, he traded a pen for a used bicycle and a used bicycle for a better bicycle. He just traded up till he finally got a house for his paperclip. This is what it's like. Is she's trading up the EMP for the nukes and everything. So he, you finally get the nukes. And what is it? She wants accountability? <laughs> yeah, she is like super anonymous. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to hold you guys really accountable. Like an anonymous might hack into a few people's emails and expose them, but you're going to be really accountable to me. They say Cypher is so scary, it's the one person even Anonymous won't go after. That made me laugh because it's so stupid. Yeah, what she says is, the nukes will get me what I want today, tomorrow, and every day after that. Accountability. The second I fire off one of those nukes, I put the superpowers of this world on notice that when they cross the line, I'm going to be there to hold them responsible. As soon as she fires one, she ends the world because we all die in a nuclear winter because everyone's going to fire her. She is going to do a preemptive nuclear strike to go, hey, now, don't do that anymore. To who, though? We don't even know who she's pointing that one missile at. I understand what they're trying to say. It is the mission of most hackers. Governments have too much control. We want to humble them. And so by, yes, yeah, stealing their weapon and saying that yeah. I can do it to you, I get that. But then where's the danger? If she doesn't want nuclear war, she doesn't want to fire the missiles, then what has this been all about? It's one thing to save the world from getting nuked. It's another thing to save the world from someone who doesn't want to nuke the world. The other thing is, it's one thing to say, I have nukes, so be good. Basically a Cold War. And another to say, once I fire the missiles, then they're going to know. One, it was a missile. She was going to fire a warning shot. And yeah. again, that she could have just fired it into the ocean. I don't know what she was going to do with it. 
But you know what? Let's be honest. There was one reason to do this. She wants to carjack a submarine. <laughs> and that is why they need to do this. And that's what gives them their ending here is that we have on very thin ice, maybe metaphorically as well as literally, <laughs> these stylish cars are going to be trying to avoid torpedoes. Roman is so stupid with his Lamborghini on ice. Yes, because a New York taxi cab has a better chip in it than a Russian submarine because she can autopilot that taxi cab and the sub has to be manually stolen. We get just lots of stuff. It's a big climax. I don't think it's any worse than anything else we got the last time with the drones. I mean, this is as good as that. It's just Mm. familiar. I think the drone was a little better because it had so much going on. They were playing keep away. It took multiple drivers. They were putting Ramsey in one car, then the other car. The drone was attacking. You're right. The drone was one of the lesser stunts of that last film. But here, when they're all on this ice in these cars that probably couldn't even move under normal circumstances in that terrain, the idea of camouflage is out the window. It is truly hysterical to see those cars parked on the ice while one of them's hiding behind a snowbank to use <laughs> binoculars to look at the submarine base. And, th- and that our government feels like this is the best that can be offered in this situation. Oh, they don't even run it up the flagpole, remember? Little Nobody says, we have to take this up as high as it can go. Oh, well, the Russia diplomat did something on our soil, so we're not talking to each other. We don't have time to tell the president. Oh. Hobbs is the one that goes, let's just do it ourselves. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. Okay. They just, they don't answer to nobody, which is, I guess. The well, technically they do answer to nobody. Yeah, well. <laughs> But nobody is a nobody. But I do feel like there's not a sense of danger here because they have killed members of the team off before. But here, it's so expansive, this big sheet of ice. At one point, like Roman, he should have died of hypothermia. I don't know how he's under the water that long and he's totally cool. I guess they gave him some kind of space age jacket to save him when he gets pulled out by Ludacris later. He was complaining about the shrinkage before he went in the water. But yeah, I just don't feel any danger here. I feel like you've given us big stuff. You've given us big airplanes and big tanks. And I guess now, you know, land, air, and now we got to go spicy. So we're going to get a submarine, which somehow speeds up as it surfaces and has to break through the ice. This is still better than that stupid climax on the freeways of part six. I'm sorry. Nope. I just (laughs) refuse to accept that this is more ridiculous. Okay, okay. Let me just tell you, this ends with Vin leading a heat-seeking missile to blow up the sub and that sub is going to blow up because his car has been shooting flames out a giant exhaust pipe at the top (laughs) like a steam engine yes and so but he jumps out of his car and that sub is going to blow up and he is facing his fiery death and the rest of the furious team surround him with their cars because fire does not go down (laughs) this this is the dumbest thing they're all dead now it's not just dom that's dead they're all dead this was the funniest moment for me because it was so ridiculous it's so stupid like the ice should have melted either fire or hypothermia one way or another they're all dead See, in Furious 6, we all talked about when Dom jumps out of his car, catches Letty in midair, and then uses a car to soften his fall, and how ridiculous that is. Yeah. But that was like one drop. This is all around that level of stupid. They took it up to 11 in this. No, it is not more ridiculous. I refuse to believe that this is more ridiculous than anything they've done before. It may be less exciting. That is a personal taste. I can assure you it's not more stupid. It is just as stupid. 
No, this is more stupid than the flying car in seven. I don't know. Those all had a purpose. Like, this is just, they should have all beaten Ned. I can't accept this. Well, meanwhile, I feel like the thing that engaged me was nothing that was happening on the ice. I just figured it was the preamble to an ice capade that we're going to get some spin off. <laughs> oh my God. I could see the traveling yeah. Fast and Furious on ice show yeah, going town sure. to town. Why not? But come on. The real show is the baby with the headphones as Statham is being a cute nurturing guy. You know, he's one of the only ones that hasn't been the tough guy that made the kitty movie. Schwarzenegger had Kindergarten Cup and The Pacifier, Tooth Fairy. This is Statham's attempt to play to a juvenile audience. Yeah, but at least it's funny here. Like, it's mind-blowing that Dom doesn't get to save his own kid. I figured they'd somehow get him up on that airplane, but no. Yeah, Shaw's gonna come in and save the kid. And again, it, because it's kind of humorous, it's kind of cool action. You go into that kind of John Wick gung fu. The Shaw brothers. It should be say the other one's there too. Yeah, he's going to walk into the cockpit, put a gun <laughs> to the pilot's head, and he's gone. Yeah, that's all he does. <laughs> and I don't fire guns in a plane. I mean, decompression. I just, bad, bad idea. I looked that up. It's not quite as bad as some movies make it seem, but it's not good. There's a reason why you don't bring him on the plane. TSA is overprotective, I mean. Oh, sure. You're right. <laughs> Silly me. But, yeah, I'm enjoying Statham's fight. I, I like Statham fighting. When he starts sliding the baby around and kicking people's ass, I was pissed, though, that Cypher... First of all, I couldn't tell where she was half the time. This whole airplane she's in... She was in a room yelling, ah, this, get, get me control of the sun! Like, it's ridiculous, the stuff that they make Charlize Theron yell in this film. <laughs> yeah, she yells, hack them all. I'm like, no, it's hack yes. the planet. Haven't you seen hackers? <laughs> but this entire airplane reminded me of Knight Rider. And I think that's because at one point, Dom drives into it while it's flying, and it comes near the ground, and he drives up it like Michael Knight did. But the plane's like the TARDIS. It's much bigger on the inside, and there's all this tech everywhere and we keep seeing charlie's in this control room i couldn't tell if she was on the plane or on the submarine until finally she and char are in the same place i'm like oh she was on the plane i thought that the big thing would be when they blow up the submarine they're killing cypher no cypher's on the plane and she's like well i have a parachute and she's down kill her Arrest her. Do something with her. Do not allow her to stick around for a sequel. No, she's going to be back for nine. Yeah, she's going to become a good guy now, you know. Because they need a third <laughs> hacker on the team. <laughs> Maybe that is the way they'll go. But they did. Yeah, the only villain of note that they kill is Rhodes. That Rhodes had the sniper rifle aimed at Letty. And Dom found out that his baby was safe just in time. Which begs the question, if the baby wasn't safe... He really would pick the baby over Letty? It's not like Rhodes called it in right away. Kill the baby. He's turned. He had time to like turn and before Cypher would have found out. It's a strange conflict that basically Cypher would like us to believe that this is choosing adrenaline over family, but it's really just baby over Letty. I didn't think about that. I thought he would have saved Letty no matter what. He would saved Letty earlier at the expense of Elena. So I think he would have done it no matter what, but he does kill Rhodes with a hell of a flying punch where he's coming down, like landing on him with his fist and snapping the yeah. guy's neck. It was, yeah, it had a visceral impact. I feel like that was the villain death. If you were looking for the villain to go down, I knew that they weren't going to kill Charlize. I knew that she was going to get away. Hell, I'm not even sure Elena's dead. We didn't see it. 
they have talked in the post stuff that they could bring Han back to life too. So. <laughs> exactly, it's a soap opera. Why not bring Giselle back? Well, she's an she's Wonder Woman now. She yeah. probably doesn't want to come back. They only really die when they're too good for this, and so it begs the question: Is Vin Diesel coming back? Well, is The Rock coming back? I, I feel like The Rock's like, nope, I'm going to be a soccer coach from now on. It's interesting. What he said was he'd rather not return to his job after 16 years. First Fast and the Furious film 16 years ago. Mm. And I'm thinking Vince, like, I don't want you back at your job mm. because did either of you stay for the credits? Yeah. Unfortunately, I was waiting for an in credit scene that never came. Exactly. It was filmed. Oh. There was a scene filmed that was filmed without Vin Diesel's knowledge, setting up The Rock and Jason Statham for their own spinoff series. Vin found out and went thermonuclear. Now, according to the people at Universal, oh, the producers just felt it would be best to save this scene for something else, maybe home video, but the scuttlebutt is this is part of the reason Vin and The Rock didn't get along is because they were setting The Rock up for a new franchise that might have a little bit more Nas left in the engine than the Fast and the Furious series does for Vin. And so as producer and everything, that scene got cut. We end with this scene, the cookout scene, where... In New York now, because they blew up the house, I guess, in L.A.? (laughs) Strangely, Elena didn't name the baby. She'd been calling him Marcos. She gave it a middle name, but no first name, which makes the middle name the first name. Come on. Yeah, it does. What did you put on that birth certificate? Blank Marcos. (laughs) But she wanted the father to name him. And so he's there at this cookout where his sister isn't, his brother-in-law isn't. But he's going to name the baby Brian. Now, you know what I thought would make sense to me? And I wondered this when they said the baby didn't have a first name. I'm sitting in the theater. I'm like, will they name him Paul? Because that would kind of make sense and not be at all weird. You wouldn't be like, why did you name him Brian after your brother-in-law? If you just chose Paul because you like the name Paul, and we'd know that it's a nice reference to Paul Walker. Because they did have that moment. Brian would know what to do. We can't call Brian. I, they literally can't even give him a phone call. Just say, hey, bro, <laughs> give us some advice. Like, can't even do that. Come on, guys. I mean, what do you want to do? Crack out on a Ouija board? I mean, we know why he can't be called. I'm sure there's some voice actor that could do a Paul Walker voice. There were rumors ahead of time that they might have brought the brothers back and done a little more CGI. Hell, they brought Peter Cushing back for freaking Rogue One. <laughs> we are in that era. And I agree. They could bring back Brian quote unquote but we have this new brian i think what they're setting up here is again baby's day out maybe the next one i'm gonna have to wait 16 years to get that sequel (laughs) then diesel changing diapers as he's doing a donuts Uh, doesn't that sound terrific i don't know but the reason the baby was named brian according to vin is he'd never had a barbecue scene without paul walker there and every time they were setting it up he's like well where's brian gonna sit where's brian gonna sit and so vin felt like the scene was very emotional and so he felt brian had to be there so they named the baby brian it's fine if they want to give a quick shout out here i didn't have it didn't hit the way that the ending of the last movie did the last one was a touching goodbye they had the song they had the car veering off the weird silver made of tinfoil car that magically (laughs) steered off to heaven it worked in its own weird logic here it just feels like we've seen it before well jacob stewart have you heard of choice theory (laughs) there's only one axiom we really need to know do you recommend fate of the furious jacob 
I get a lot of what you're saying, Stuart. If you went along with those other ones, why wouldn't you go along with this one? And I'm not a super fan of these films. I never want to see them again after I've had to watch them for now playing. But I recognize what I like about the ones that I have recommended. And that's typically been a good team dynamic, a few good action set pieces. That makes a decent Fast and Furious film. Here, I just feel like this is in trouble if they can't fix this team for this franchise. Because that is the biggest problem for me is I don't go along with Roman. Look, good Roman, you get that in 5, 6, 7. Bad Roman, you're back in too fast, too furious territory. I don't want to go there again. They need to do something to fix this team. I don't have that answer. I don't know what it is. But for people that, you know, have kind of just enjoyed these some of these films, the better ones, I'm going to say, no, this isn't a recommend. Uh, People that love this series because they just love stupid stuff happening with cars, they're going to see this no matter what. But uh, I'm giving this, it's a faint not recommend. I didn't have a good time. And the ones I've liked, I've had a good time. It's felt like a party. I felt like I was in Cuba shaking it with girls in booty shorts. I don't feel like that here. And so weak not recommend. Stuart. Why are you doing this to me? I'm not the fan of this series. Then don't recommend it. Well, because it's totally <laughs> middle of the road. And I've had to grade on a curve with this series. I mean, honestly, it's a franchise that is taking a victory lap. Or has the tire blown and they're in the pit stop right now trying to repair it? Everything is professional. Everything is competent. It, they are doing shout outs to things they've done in the past. Nothing is surprising. Nothing is elevating. Nothing takes it to a new level. And not everyone is going to do that. I mean, sometimes, I think certainly after the disaster of filming the last one, they probably didn't want to push the boundaries too much and do anything different. And Universal needs this franchise. They need it to be a success. Basically, they've taken the Marvel Universe into a chop shop and they've tried to turn it into something that has street cred. It's never worked for me in that way. But I think that if you accept it on those terms, it's fine. It's mild green arrow. I, The one advice I'd give them is don't bring back F. Gary Gray. Whoever else you want to bring back, I do feel like this director didn't do anything. The reason you bring in a new director is they're going to give you a new flavor, a new feel, a new vibe. And I don't feel like F. Gary Gray brought the comedy of Friday. I don't think he brought excitement from car chases like Italian Job. I don't feel like he did anything for this franchise. So... Bring back Vin, bring back Tyrese, bring back anybody, bring back Elena, hell, whatever you want to do, but don't bring back this director, but see the movie if you need to. And I'd say don't bring back Chris Morgan. This has been the guy who's been writing since Tokyo Drift. I think he's out of good ideas. He's the one who said they would be willing to go to space or things like that, but... You don't want to see the moon rover chase? I just don't see how they'd get Dodge to pay for that ad. Does Dodge make space vehicles that they Elon can Elon Musk might do it, you know? That could happen. <laughs> but this movie is a red arrow because the light never turned green for me. The cars never got going. I never felt excited. I've talked, when we did the Fast and the Furious original retrospective leading up to part seven, I talked about how dangerously I drove after leaving the theater because these movies got my nas going and got me adrenalized. And I got out of there and I felt like I wanted to drive fast. 
This movie was the slow and the ponderous. I got out of there and drove like an old lady home and went to bed. I couldn't believe how little I was enthralled by anything. Now, it is not a debacle. This is not Independence Day Resurgence. It's merely uninteresting, and it does lack chemistry. I think this team has fallen apart. I'm going to blame F. Gary Gray. He did great with characters in Friday, and he did kind of do a, like a by Felicia thing here with uh, Mrs. Parker at the end where they're trying to guess Ramsey's last name and resolve that love triangle that they didn't even bring up in this film, but it was a thread from last time. Is, is that what this whole series is now based on? Which guy does Ramsey pick? But I kept waiting for the moment where this movie turned badass and it just felt like a bad triple X clone i really think that's the next one let's just have vin diesel play two heroes and it's the fast <laughs> of the furious meets triple x so you've got the street racer meeting the extreme sports guy and they're both working for the u.s government or something are you saying you dislike this series because it's ridiculous because no. i thought that's why people liked it i don't mind ridiculous I mind lack of fun in the ridiculousness. Yeah, I can go with the ridiculousness if I'm enjoying this, if I'm laughing at or with the characters. Mm -hmm. And there, it's all kind of winking and nodding, like, this is kind of stupid, right? But I don't get a lot of winks and nods in this one. And I think Cypher is just a bad villain. I don't think her motivation is clear. These movies need to be personal. This time it's personal. The most personal it got is they kidnapped a baby, but that was brought in so late and it was never played up that the team was going against Dom. There's one moment where Hobbes tells Letty that I may have to put him down. And she goes, you may have to put both of us down. But they never sell the emotion of it. There's stuff here that I think a different director, I'm never going to say, all right, I will say a better director because I've never really liked F. Gary Gray's stuff and I've seen almost all of it. A better director could take the little threads here and see a way to sell emotion. When you fake kill Shaw, sell that to me and then make it really exciting when he comes back. Introduce him in a way that makes sense instead of just having weird jetpack people flying around all of a sudden and me wondering why the vulture is here. Have it so that I care when Elena dies. Have stakes. Impossible. This series isn't predicated on human emotion. It just, it doesn't work in that way. And I, I agree. Justin Lin gives more verve. James Wan did more with his installment. I, I get that, yes, there have been times where I've been more rocketed by what I'm seeing, but I've never felt more. I've never felt like the drama and the stories were more important than what we get here. I'd like to see him go that way. I don't know if they can, but to return it to the idea of, let's just look at street culture as it really is, and maybe we just get rid of most of this cast and just go back to East Side LA. That's because your favorite is Tokyo Drift. You want to get back there. Yeah, I would, actually. Lucas Black was supposed to come back. They signed him for three films. I was waiting for him to show up. But he had a scheduling conflict, so they couldn't bring him in here. So he would actually have been a good replacement, Brian. You a, know what? A that... scheduling conflict called Vin Diesel. <laughs> I don't think Vin Diesel's threatened by Lucas Black. <laughs> Perhaps not. But I definitely think that going back to where... It's a personal thing, and they're off the grid, they're doing their own thing, they're breaking the law, makes the films more fun than when they are the law. It's a not recommend. This, this movie also had a shitty soundtrack, by the way. There was no That's How We Roll. There were no good songs on this one. The stuff they played in Havana was okay, but first Fast and Furious movie, I didn't buy the soundtrack. That seems to be your deal breaker. I need to love the jams. <laughs> 
the series, I do think that they should have ended with seven. You know, they went out on a really high note. They said goodbye to one of their stars. Universal and Vin Diesel, they all sniffed money. This movie cost a lot more to make than the last one, even though they didn't have to do 350 CGI Paul Walker shots for this one. It's because the cast cost more. And if the CGI of Paul Walker was as bad as the CGI of that submarine, we'd have all walked out of there laughing at it. They did not spend the money on effects for this one. I think this is a far step down. It reminds me so much of the dourness I felt with Fast and Furious Part 4. I didn't like that one very much either. And so, yeah, I'm going to put this in a not recommend territory and definitely in the bottom three of the series. It's straight in the middle, again. I, well, well, there's I, this eight in the series, I'm in bottom three, so that's not too yeah, far. I mean, I can't see that it's a huge departure. I can understand you not having fun. Again, I ask, maybe we're just all fatigued. Maybe it's run out of gas. Maybe they need a radical retooling of this. That the most fun they could have is to get a whole new cast and a new vibe and to take it in a new direction. Again, space, you're keep, no. it sounds like we're all making the case for space. I'm making the case for going back to East L.A. and finding young cast members to tell honest human stories about themselves and cars. I don't want honest stories from this series anymore. Fast Five is still my favorite. I want more of that. That's not an honest story, but it's a fun heist film. This movie, there were heists, but I never had any fun. Again, it felt like the Italian job to me. I don't wouldn't recommend that film either. And I think it's the director. I think they need to go back to the drawing board with that. I think they need to reevaluate what they want this franchise to be because I don't think they need to be spies to make half a billion dollars. They need to go to great locales. They need to travel the world. Last time they went to Abu Dhabi. You know, I think they need to go to new places and drive new cars and do exciting new stunts. But they can find other reasons for doing that that actually have personal motivation. And God help me, they need to find a nucleus to surround this series around because Vin isn't holding it together. Maybe it's because they took him out of the crew in this one and he was off doing his own thing the whole time. But... We need camaraderie. We need this to be a team movie. This is not a solo series. It hasn't been since... I mean, it was initially a co-starred series anyway, but really since Fast Five, it's always been an ensemble film. They need an ensemble that works, a director who can work it, and a plot that makes sense and makes us feel invested again. We could get one of Stewart's favorite directors, Brett Ratner. He always does a good ensemble piece. Yeah, I mean, I think he knows action. I, <laughs> I do think you need someone with more verve that can bring more excitement. I get what you guys are saying about these chases. They're cool looking, but they rarely rev my engine anyway i can't imagine they will ask f gary gray to do the next one yeah don't know when the next one's coming out two years three years probably something like that but they've greenlit two of them so. yeah i'm hoping they're wrapping it up you know variety had an article let it go out with grace come up with an end game build up to it make it a two-parter and just go out while you still it's kind of like you trade in your car before it's completely worthless Trade in this franchise universal while it still has some use in it, and then you can bring it back later, reboot it. But don't drive this one into the ground until the engine block is cracked. They're going to do that. Opening weekend, half a billion dollars, they'll drive it down to that engine block is cracked. Yeah, I agree. There's This is going nowhere, and I doubt it will be radically retooled. Why fix what isn't broken? And it's making money. 
That's the fact, is it made a ton of money. So no matter how many red arrows we throw at it, it's a green arrow in green dollar signs in Universal's eyes. Well, I think, again, I think this will be a success for many people, but they can't keep doing this. They need to think about upping the game. Sometimes you can have a placeholder, but at a certain point, people want newness. And they didn't add much to this team. If Scott Eastwood is supposed to be the new hot young thing that's going to keep this going they need a lot more new characters maybe they're coming i know they wanted denzel for this and he promptly laughed at them he is not hot or new at this point but he would have been certainly the most credible actor to ever get behind the wheel it couldn't have been worse than magnificent seven. Oh, really it wasn't great perhaps someday we'll review it well Another film we're going to be reviewing in just a couple weeks, also expanding its cast, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. It's our next theatrical release. Any type of series we try to do is going to be very much punctuated by theatrical releases right now. So big summer for franchises, sequels, things we've done before coming back. Yeah, so in two weeks, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. In between, we have one more Lynch film, Mulholland Drive. Two Lynch films total, but one more in between. And... Over on the donation series, starting this Friday, Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl, our silver level donation series, is kicking into high gear. Five Pirates of the Caribbean films we're going to be doing, all five. It starts this Friday. Get in on it now. Now playing podcast.com forward slash donate. And we're doing this the classic method. You can donate $10 and get Pirates. 25 get pirates and alien out of the vault because we're going to be revisiting that series with alien covenant brock coming back out of his self-imposed retirement for one extra episode and then for platinum 40 dollars or more aliens pirates of the caribbean and planet of the apes as we get to our ninth planet of the apes film war for planet of the apes that's 20 podcasts for 40 dollars or more they're all also going to be available through our Podbean page, whether you're a patron of certain levels, get certain podcasts, or individually for a little bit more money through Podbean. Yeah, so if you've been with us a long time and you've already donated for those old series, you're going to get the new installment. I think that's great. Thank you for being a support for all this time. But if you haven't had the chance to join us, I do think that these are going to be two movie franchises a lot of people are going to be talking about this summer. I'm a big Alien fan, and I really enjoyed the rebooting of Planet of the Apes, too. So all that is this Friday. And we will be back next week with more driving, recklessly. Yes. Mulholland Drive, because that's how we roll. Father, thank you for the gathering of friends. Father, we give thanks for all the choices we've made because that's what makes us who we are. Let us forever cherish the loved ones we've lost along the way. And most of all, thank you for fast cars. Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing, and we hope you've enjoyed the show. You tell your boss exactly who did this. Tell him there's more coming. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week for another new movie review. You gotta get out of here. I ain't running anymore. Also at NowPlayingPodcast.com, you can find more movie reviews, including Pitch Black, Rambo, Robocop, 
The Avengers, and hundreds more. You say what? This just went from Mission Impossible to Mission and Freaking Sanity. While at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums where you can discuss this review with other listeners. You're in. There's always room for family. You can also follow Now Playing on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+, where we post announcements of new episodes and where the hosts post movie mini-reviews. Sounds like a whole lot of vaginal activity to me. Links to our social media pages are at NowPlayingPodcast.com. See exclusive videos and interviews on the Now Playing Podcast YouTube channel. You can find the link on our homepage. I'll see you soon, Toretto. Your pockets ain't enough. Ours are empty. We hungry. Now Playing is an independent podcast with no sponsors or ads. It's donations from listeners like you that keep Now Playing on the air. You got the best crew in the world standing right in front of you. Give them a reason to stay. You can give money by clicking the support link at the top of NowPlayingPodcast.com. You don't realize how much you appreciate something until somebody takes it away. Everybody take a real good look. This is what you call mutual respect. All right, let's clear out. Anybody down for another race? Now Playing's Fast and Furious series is edited by Arnie. Let's put all this mess back together. That's going to take a while. Then you better get started. Now Playing credit narration by Brock. Why me? Because you got the biggest mouth. That's for damn sure. Now Playing is not affiliated with Universal Pictures or the makers or distributors of these films. The film discussed in this podcast is the intellectual property of its copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. You see, I got a problem with authority. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. Just because you know how I ride doesn't mean you know me. Show me how you drive, I'll show you who you are. Now playing as a Venganza Media production, copyright 2017, all rights reserved, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. Money will come and go. We know that. The most important thing in life will always be the people in this room. Right here. Right now. Salute me, familia. But to save Letty, Dom goes rogue or goes unrogue. There is a uh, do that again. I heard Stuart breathing as you were saying. Oh, that line. Yeah, I was really sighing. <laughs> you were you're <laughs> like, like a, fuming mad. I have to talk about this movie for two more hours. <laughs> I know that you I, saw it at the same theater I did for a change. Yeah, there were 28 minutes of previews. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. Are you serious? That that's obscene. I went in the theater at one o'clock and I left almost at four. So I was like, "What has happened here?" I felt like I caught up on every trailer I'd ever missed: War of the Planet <laughs> of the Apes, Transformers, Atomic Blonde. Like every movie we're covering this summer, I got to see a trailer for Alien. True enough, but so. The Rock until Baywatch comes out is still Ugh. a huge star. That looks really funny. Horrible. No, it looked really bad. The worst. <laughs> Bomb of the summer.
I gotta see it. I mean, it's it's a hard R film. I think that might help it. But then again, chips. Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna bring up <laughs> chips. Mm. You know, this has always been a ludicrous B movie franchise. No, this is not Ludacris's franchise. <laughs> yeah, all right, restage. <laughs> Bringing that up, that would be like calling Dom a witch hunter. <laughs> Which I still will, and I haven't even seen Witch Hunter. But... Oh, it's almost a brown arrow, but not quite. <laughs> oh, I, I can believe it. We considered doing it for the show, but we were just too busy. <laughs> and somehow we gained sanity for a brief moment and went, no. Yeah, nobody really wants us to do that. Or maybe they do. We'll see. Maybe for Halloween this year. We're doing a poll. Let us know if you want to hear the last Witch Hunter. <laughs> I'm getting the strong impression Stuart's going to be the only one to recommend mm. this film. <laughs> me too, which is, puts me in such a weird predicament because I don't recommend this franchise. <laughs> but I'm grading on a curve. 